first week uh, of talking about work is worship and this topic, you know, I always find with sermons it's interesting. We'll do these short series and you'll find some who just, it's where they've been working and, and, and wrestling with and they'll come and say, oh man, this has really been helping me. This is really amazing. I can't believe how this fits. And others will come to me after and say, yeah, when you started it really was, uh, maybe. And then it kind of grabbed me and I really found places. And then there's those of you who are silent, which may mean we love it or I'm not going to tell you, or I wish we'd get out of this series. You know, I don't know kind of where you're coming from on there. Uh, but um, what we want to be aware of and be, and be thinking through is that any of these things that we're picking or choosing or finding in God's Word, that God always speaks into things. And it may not always be the immediate, but there are also those ways in which the Spirit may call us back into that. And this work as worship, understanding uh, that everything that we have put our hand to is a worship of God, and today to understand that that work as worship, our vocation, is part of the mission of God. And I think sometimes we can think of ourselves in that and see that clearly. And there's other times we're just trying to make it do with work. We're thinking about retirement, as Pastor Ted talked about last week. We're thinking about, you know, just getting on to the next stage. And we don't live in the present moment of where God's put us. And sometimes those present moments are not happy times. But like sermons, you may find later that those less than happy times were times where you later have 20-20 vision to see how much God was doing either in you and or in others because of you living in those moments. I had a kind of a false, well not kind of, I did have a false dichotomy when I was Back in uh, college days, you know, if you didn't know this, my, my ultimate plan, having grown up in a pastor's family uh, and having come out of church every Sunday and had people go, so, you going to be a pastor? <laughs> oh, no, uh, no, not me. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Seen the job, seen the job description, seen it lived out. There's no way this dude is becoming a pastor. I've got it all planned out going to get my accounting degree, get my MBA, and hey, I, I was pretty good at it, actually. Friends of mine who I helped ended up being, you know, high up in certain corporations, including Nike, which wasn't a happy thing for him after a while. But, uh, you know, we, we had a lot of opportunities and things, and, and I feel like, gosh, that would have been a great way to go, and I'd have done well. But in my mind, that was not what God had for me, because that's not what I had for me, Okay. Well, God convinced me otherwise, but here's the falseness that I had. It was either, am I going to serve the Lord and become a pastor, or will I become a high-powered business dude and I'll be a good church member? Serve the Lord, be a good church member. The reason that was a false dichotomy is really what the question always was there is, I am always serving the Lord. I'm going to be worshiping the Lord through whatever I do. But how do I see myself sent, whether it's as a pastor or an accountant or, and, and you guys know me, I'd have been a horrible accountant, but or as whatever area I'd have been in, what is it that would have been worshiping the Lord and sent as Jesus had sent me? 
Now, over time, I'm learning that, you know, the sending of Jesus of each of us and that vocation, that work as worship, has become such an important piece to us because we understand, and as I was mentioned with the kids earlier with Lazarus, we are ascending church. We are ascending church in the sense that we're engaged with four, almost five now, uh, pl- church plants in this greater Houston area because in some cases we are sending the workers and sometimes cases we're sending each other to go out. We're not losing anybody. We are sending which in the book of Acts is a very biblical piece. We are sending people because we care about those disconnected from Jesus. But the sending is not of others to be that, but for them to be that where they go and for us to be where we are. So I want you to think about for just a minute this First Timothy passage that was read by Patty a moment ago. Because it wouldn't seem like it fits vocation, or it may not seem like it, it fits this aspect of being sent, But if you look at the words here that were read, if you want to open it up in your own Bible or your Bible app or your Kindle or wherever you've got it, that's fine. But it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and into a snare for many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Here's one of those verses that gets misdone all the time. People will say, you know, money is the root of all evil. That is not what the Bible says. It says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. And it's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. This section of the scripture is recognizing a couple of things. One is, is that we are in this world and that our needs and wants are very different. And that the things that God has given us is that the difference being the love of God versus the love of money, the love of the creator versus the love of the creation. That our life if we're in love with the world and in love with the stuff, is a worship of that or the worship of ourselves versus contentment, which is worship. It's living in what God has given to us and living with a confidence that we are cared for and that God uses even our gifts to care for ourselves, that that contentment is indicating our worship of God, that our work, our school, Our steps, our life, our worship of God. We somehow have gotten into being a society that tries to escape the idea of work as being good. We don't have the means by which, just because we're in a different society, you know, back Back in the day, if we can go back on that, and you know, there was those, you know, being an agrarian society, work was just kind of a, a part of the, the, the fiber of the family. You know, you had children, and as they came up, before you knew it, they were working because that's what you had, right? You have calves to feed, you're three, go do it. You know, you just engaged in that. But we've, we've gotten into a kind of a culture where we almost have to think hard and work hard to build up work because it's a glory and worship of God to be a part of. 
And I think we've all made these mistakes. We want to work hard. It's in our DNA. And so we've let our kids go and play, and we've let our kids go and have free time, and we have all these arguments over use of technology and how much and whatever. But the, the real heart of it is we haven't given uh, children a chance to learn that a part of their life and vocation work is worship. Which amazingly also builds, when we understand our place with the Creator, a confidence. I'm not going to use the word self-esteem because I think self-esteem has been overwashed, but to give confidence in God and confidence in the gifts He's given us. And the idea of retirement. We can look at that as our chance to do nothing. And God, nowhere in the Bible, has given us a chance to do nothing. Even when Pastor Ted quoted the verse about, you know, the, the priest got to retire, nobody else did. Yeah, I like that. And it said age 50, loved it. In two more years, I'm 50, I guess I can retire. Okay, mine may be past 50. But, but the idea was not for them necessarily to sit back and do nothing. It was to reset themselves for what God would have them do. So I don't personally believe in retirement. I believe in resetting. Resetting chapters, resetting. Because why? Because we worship God through our work yeah, and play. But God has made us to be productive. And perhaps retirement is not that retiring and having nothing to do, but pouring ourselves into the next generation and the next generation to take what we have. So here, it's, it's having that contentment, understanding. And he says you know, to the people, he says, well, you need to flee from these things in terms of these cravings. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you've been called, which you've made a good confession in the presence of many, many witnesses. So what we're wanting to do is have our mindset in terms of work as worship is that, A, it's good. God has created this. Every situation, whether it be good or bad, is an opportunity to worship the Lord because his presence that takes us through the difficult times as well as his presence that blesses us in those moments that we're feeling that great joy and abundance, that it's all about worshiping God and not the job, not ourselves, not our success, not our money, but fleeing from those things and holding on to worshiping the Lord. And as he puts it here, with these types of things in righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. And this is where I believe Christianity becomes not even so much the sending, which is always true, but it's, it becomes a magnet. People are seeking. And maybe today you are seeking to find purpose and you're seeking to find satisfaction, but more than that, you're seeking to find that there is something valuable about your life and God says, I've already called it. And so God moves next to us and finds that every circumstance becomes a worship of him. It's really having the right pursuits. Sometimes we pursue the wrong things, and they may sound really good, but we, we, because we're pursuing that, we're really missing what's in front of us. He says if you're pursuing worship through righteousness, through godliness, through gentleness, when you're pursuing through faith and love, on top of that, there is the 
unintended, if you will, consequence. It's not the primary that the blessings of your work and the blessings of your vocation, the blessings of being a man, the blessings of being a woman, the blessing of helping our parents as they age or as parents helping our children when they're young. The blessing of that vocation is in worship of God, but then God brings that and transforms that into something bigger and greater. That we may have meaning in everything that we do. And then even, you know, in terms of talking about, we have this confession. Well, what's this confession? It's not confession in the sense of I, a poor, miserable sinner, or I who have sinned before God, but a confession of the presence of God through our life, how we describe what is going on. Our words have power. You know, how you describe circumstances and situations make a big difference. If we're going through challenge and difficulty and we just talk, all we do is talk about the fact this is horrible, this is pitiful, I can't believe the people I'm around, I can't believe how horrible my bosses are, I can't believe how horrible my workers are. You know, when we keep framing it that way, there's no way we're ever going to see God in the mix. Now, if we see the workers that we are frustrated with as our opportunity to help them along and that it's not just uh, getting to certain production levels and certain other things, but that they are our calling, we may see them different. If we see bosses who are not living up to the level they should, but we see them as people who might be hurting from home, who may not have the gifts and the skills, and we're there in our role to lift them up, perhaps it changes our perspective. Pastoring is fun. You get the best highs, but you also get the lowest lows. I've been saddened to hear at times where I run across pastors because right now the number of pastors who are leaving the ministry is just amazingly high across Christianity. But what I hear pastors doing at times is they vilify their congregation. Horrible people. Terrible people. And you know, I hear people talk about pastors. Yes, I do hear you. No, I don't. No, but people who just leave no grace for the pastor. And, and what happens there is those things, when churches are doing that with pastors, the pastor may not be doing what he should be doing, but it loses a sense of who are we as the body of Christ and what do we do to step in. For pastors to view that that's somehow reality, which it rarely is, is not going to glorify God and it's not going to build up. So Ursula and I, oftentimes at night, will just say, we have the best life ever. And we talk about y'all and say one of the reasons we have the best life ever is because of you. Not because you're perfect. We have the best life ever because we have a wonderful set of friends. We have pastors that we partner with. But part of what I, I really appreciate is that God has helped us have a heart of thankfulness and not what don't we have. So thank you. But I think for me and you, the thing that we want to be doing is always seeing the abundance of what God is giving us, even if there's a deficit somewhere. 
And there's nowhere that I would say, oh, the people of resurrection. I would say, oh, the people at resurrection. <laughs> Family. Oh, my kids. My kids! When my parents got this age, I never knew. My parents. What are the places where God helps us to worship? I had an aha moment. I know it's true. I know it's there. But I was out with lunch with Aaron on uh, Friday, and we're walking back, and he's behind me. And he said, Dad, I just realized for the first time that you have no black hair left. Thanks. I was hoping there was one or two hanging on back there. I earned that gray hair, and it was mostly with you, so. My kids. My life. Where is God calling you to use that? Watch this video and just uh, kind of take in. Don't, don't go, oh, I can't do that. Take it in for what God said into the heart of this person. You guys got that available for me? Let's go ahead and play that. I got married in 1996 to my lovely bride, Patty. And uh, right after we got married, Patty said to me, hey, we need a hobby together, you know. I think she was thinking antiques or gardening, something like that. And I was watching TV one night, and on came this AT&T internet commercial. It had this lady in this bee suit. And uh, it just simply said the headline, you can find anything on the internet. Not always loved honey. And so I went over, we lived in this little apartment, went over to my computer and typed in beekeeping Dallas and up pulled this company, North Dallas Honey Company. The next year, I really kind of learned beekeeping from them, and I started going down and helping them put the honey in the jars for them. And then I started getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning and going and putting the honey on the shelf for them. And so after about a year of doing that, he came to me and said, hey, why don't you buy uh, North Dallas honey from me? Prayed about it, thought about it. We just did a little owner finance deal, and we wound up buying it uh, about 15 years ago. And so it's funny, you know, just to reflect back from then to now uh, to where this year, We'll pack almost 2 million pounds of honey in about uh, in 30 states. I want to make as much as I can, live on as little as I can, and give away as much as I can. And so that's really kind of the vision statement of Nature Nates. Now, we want to be able to use the, the revenue in which we, and the profitability in which we generate and to be able to invest it into making the difference in other people's lives. I was at a Bible study uh, down in Dallas at a gentleman's house. He had about 30 or 40 people in this little home. And this room is filled with uh, people who were, you know, previous felons and drug addicts and prostitutes. And I was sitting there kind of looking around the room and just thinking to myself, man, how in the world do these people provide for themselves? And so I really thought, you know, I kind of did a personal inventory of our, you know, our network, our knowledge, our experiences, our, you know, our resources, everything that we have. And so I went back. To the guy who led the Bible study and said, think any of these guys would be interested in starting a bee business. The commitment that I made to them, let's start off with 30 beehives. Um, I'll buy all the equipment, I'll, I'll, I'll hire a trainer, I'll buy everything necessary for it. 
And for uh, the next few years, you guys get in and sweat equity. You uh, make this thing work. And at the end of two years, whoever's involved in the company, I'll, I'll give you everything in the company. And so really, I didn't, I didn't want to hire them as employees. I really wanted to help them learn how to become um, a business owner, you know, and all the things that are associated with that from marketing and finance and operations and logistics. And so being able to utilize our team um, and, the, and the people that we have on staff to be able to help kind of do on-the-job training, you know, and help, help them see what it would be like to, uh, to run a business. Uh, it means a lot just to see what God really doing through them and for them to just uh, empower us uh, to do some more great things. It's just been an awesome and a blessing to me. You know, I, I had this emptiness, this void in my life. And when I would talk to these guys, they would just be filled with the spirit and, and they would all be happy and laughing about so many different things. And I was wondering, you know, why do they feel like that? Why are they so happy? What are they getting this from? You know, I wanted what they had. And, and now that I have it, it's a beautiful feeling. Just to see that the changes that have came to make uh, the community better, it, you know, I can look at it and say I have a part of that. It's great. I mean, it makes me feel like uh, now we actually have a chance to uh, prove not to uh, just the people in the community, but to ourselves that we can come together and do something positive. Never in my wildest dream I ever thought that I'd be able to start working with bees. I mean, I, I tell our, our team, I said, you know, if, if nothing else, this is just an offering to God. Um, and with those guys, you know, I, I want to show them that you don't have to separate business and religion, your business and your faith. I mean, they, the two can be integrated in there. And so I think that is one of the things that is most exciting for all of our staff is they really feel like what they're doing, yeah, it matters at Nature Nates, but will make a difference in eternity. Now, in some ways, I hope it kind of charges your heart because there may be something that you've been doing for years and you had no idea that in the worship of God you could impact someone or in your next stage of life in retirement that part of what you'll be about is finding where God's fired you up and staging you into something that blesses other people. But also, don't ever take something like this and go, well, I can't do that. But where does God have you placed? Because where he has you placed, your work, your vocation is a worship of God and part of your sending. I think of this film and think sweet redemption. You know, honeybees, sweet redemption to redeem people who most of us wouldn't want to spend time with because they're ex-felons. But that God uses someone in that place to reach out. What is it about sweet redemption that you and I who don't deserve anything in the world that our parents who perhaps brought us that we could hear the word be baptized and have sweet redemption that our life would never be the same that on the cross Jesus would look into the world and look in and see you and provide sweet redemption that we could look at everything that we do from the moment we go to the grocery store to the moment that we go to Target or we go to Home Depot, Lowe's, and we're about work at home or work on the job or life as a husband, life as a wife, love, life as a parent, life as a child, and see that those moments are gathered to be worship. And that ultimately we together are here in our worship to connect people who are disconnected 
He says at the end of this verse that we're ready to do good, that is to live out what God has placed in us, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation so that they may take hold of what is uh, truly life. What's treasure in your life? I have found more and more treasures people. Treasure is the people that God has intersected with us. That as we worship him, not just here, but in all that we are, that that treasure grows because God brings that opportunity to bring sweet redemption. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we give thanks to you. We glorify you. Thank you for the sweet redemption we have in Jesus. Thank you for this man who thought about honey, but help that thought and that process help us to see every opportunity we have to be a sweet redemption, a sweet redemption of connecting people to the Jesus who died for them and for us, that we might come to you, O Lord of glory, who bought us, who brought us, and sends us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's rise and sing.
with your love, our love renew. We speak of that sweet redemption in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. 